For me, the discipline of simplicity is a way to know God better. It frees me from the hindrances that keep me from knowing him, and it enables me to spend more time with Jesus, to serve others with generosity, and to share my resources. I learned the value of simplicity right after college when I went to China for a year. There, I lived with those whom I worked with, and back then in the 1980s, China was still a developing nation. The dorms had no heating, and it got so cold that the water on our shower floors would freeze. My Chinese friends had to instruct me how to sleep at night by clutching a hot water bottle and folding a down comfort around me like a gum wrapper. There was no hot water either, so I avoided showering and bathing whenever I could. Luckily, I walked around in layers of clothing all the time so no one noticed how I smelled. I lived without TV, radio, or other forms of entertainment because I couldn't understand Chinese. And the majority of Chinese had little disposable income back then, so shopping or eating out weren't options to pass the time. Without these American amusements, I instead chatted with colleagues, took long bike rides at night, and read every book published in English that was available at the university. Through this time of simplicity, I realized the ways that the world was broken and how our lifestyle, our busy lifestyles in the U.S. contribute to the severe inequities faced by the rest of the world. When my relatives welcomed me back from China, they would opine, I bet you appreciate all the creature comforts of America now, huh? I would nod, but held to the conviction, actually, I don't need all the things in America. One other lesson from my stint in China stayed with me. No one in China really cared about how they looked back then, because they all wore the same outfits. Since there weren't any mirrors around, I would simply wake up, run my fingers through my hair to flatten it, and go to class as a teacher. I had no idea how I looked and didn't really care. Apparently none of my students did either, as they came to class with chronic bouts of bedhead. We were all ugly, but were happy enough since everyone was similarly ugly. But then I took a short trip to Hong Kong, a capital of capitalist consumer culture. Ads blared at me wherever I went. People themselves were advertisements, as every article of clothing seemed to have a brand emblazoned on the outside. The models were Asian and resembled me, but they looked much more attractive, smart and appealing. Mirrors were everywhere for shopper comparisons. Ugh, I thought, I need a haircut. My clothes are out of fashion. I need to get my teeth whitened too. I suck. My life had been reduced to how I felt and looked after watching a commercial for skin products. This sociological experiment of comparing my self-image in an advertised, saturated environment with my self-image in a controlled setting had yielded a stark contract. When exposed to a barrage of advertising, I identified all kinds of personal shortfalls immediately modified my behavior and purchased hair gel and felt slightly better. Of course, if I had never left China, I would have felt just as attractive and wouldn't have had to pay $25 for ginseng biotin hair gel to add fullness and shine. In that simplicity of lifestyle in China, I found richness in relationships and a meaningful call to Jesus. I could live without the material blessings that we Americans often pursue. Instead, in simplicity, 
I could spend time with the God who loves me and follow his command to serve his people. This call is so much more irresistible to me than a life of washing a Tesla in the suburbs. After China, I wanted to resume a life of simplicity, so I moved into a low-income community called Oak Park. There I lived in a one-bedroom with a guy named Dan and a guy named Rob and a guy named Carlos. We lived together like monks in a really austere setting, and we spent our time doing ministry, leading tutoring, ESL classes, and organizing our neighbors around political issues. But this busy schedule actually wasn't conducive for one of our members. Rob needed the most help in structuring his schedule, and in order to free him up to teach ESL, we began cooking for him so he wouldn't be eating weenie winks, that is, toaster oven baked hot dogs wrapped in bread and cheese as his primary food source. He seemed to become revitalized after eating a healthy meal, so we initiated a cooking rotation for eventually the 10 of us who lived at Oak Park. One of us would cook dinner for the other nine, and then we would all come together to share a meal. Our community meals kept us going. It worked well because it cleared time for others to pray, tutor, teach ESL, or host mentoring groups. These meals had to be home-cooked and healthy with at least one serving of vegetables. And since we didn't go out to eat, we saved money that could be used for tutoring trips and ESL dinners. It was amazingly convenient, too, because I only cooked two or three times a month, but got fed nightly. In time, a red Tupperware plate purchased from the Dollar Tree down the block became the symbol of our community and eventually New Hope Covenant Church's community. For 20 years now, our community has gathered, coming together to share meals, to save money, to enjoy each other's company, and then be freed up to follow and meet Jesus. Jesus.